Warning, the content of the show offers a radical viewpoint, plus challenging the status quo. Accordingly, we ask you that you remain calm and listen to what's being said. If not, then there are other podcast shows out there that meets your conformity. Shut up and sit down. Welcome to this episode of Fire Brand. My name is AJ. Thank you for listening to this episode, and hopefully that you're subscribing to this show and other shows here on the Chicago Podcast Network. Um, this episode, we've been talking about what social democracy is versus democratic socialism. Um, there's a difference between the two, and we're going to dissect what they are because of the, the debate that's going on, especially during Bernie Sanders' run for president, where he's, he talks himself as a democratic socialist, but there's a lot of contention among the left about what democratic socialism is and what social democracy is. So if we just jump right into it, you know, when we talk about social democracy, particularly modern social democracy... Uh, it really means a commitment to use extensive government policy to promote economic security, expand opportunity, and ensure raising living standards for all. It's all about, really, freedom, flexibility, and market dynamism. Um, these are like the hallmarks that the American economy is about. And using the Nordic countries, Scandinavia, uh, the Scandinavian area of Denmark, Sweden, Finland, and Norway, these are models that a lot of economists look at. And this is what Bernie Sanders talks about, that you know he wants to use these models that goes on in Scandinavia and kind of articulate that into the U.S. economy. Um, there's a professor at the University of Arizona. His name is um, Lane Kentworthy. He wrote a book about social democratic America and essentially he provides a, a, that good definition which I just talked about what modern social democracy is. And that is a really good definition of what social democracy provides in an economic system that's reinforcing really market capitalism. It's promoting egalitarian capitalism. It's almost promoting neoliberalism. So when we talk about neoliberalism, we're essentially talking about uh, a liberalization of the economy that advocates free trade in open markets, privatization, deregulation, and enhancing the role of the private sector in modern society. That is what social democracy is. You know, it doesn't really talk about people over profit. It doesn't really talk about um, liberating oppressed communities, which that's what democratic socialism is. It's a political ideology um, advocating that trying to use more of like multi-party represent, or representative democracy, having really social ownership of the means of production. 
Now, when I say that, people will jump right on and say, well, that's what Bernie Sanders is talking about. But Bernie Sanders doesn't go as far to say about the workers controlling the workplace. Even as, you know, having like a workers console, you know, I don't even hear him talking more about workers cooperative at at the very least. Um, And we also need to distinguish between democratic socialism and the Soviet model, which was more of a centralized economy. That's that's very distinct. Um, When we talk about democratic socialism and social democracy, um, the former is committed to um, systemic transformation, whereas social democracy does not really talk about transforming the economy. It's really saying we're going to take capitalism and we're going to really expand it by raising more taxes. We're going to inject certain policies in a market-driven economy. Whereas in democratic socialism, you're really transforming capitalism into socialism, but a more dynamic way. As I said earlier, there's people over profit. There's liberating oppressed communities. Uh, liberating and empowering women, youth. Um, we're talking really about a system that is more public than private. Public banking would be a democratic socialist idea, not a social democratic idea. Democratic socialism also rejects um, social democratic views of reforming through state intervention intervention with capitalism and seeing capitalism as inherently incapable with democratic value, values of freedom, equality, and solidarity. We really don't need equality. We really need justice. And democratic socialism provides justice. We don't need an equal capitalism, we need to abolish capitalism. If you listen to the show that Nick and I did on Out Front about welfare, you know, we we essentially said, you know, anywhere you go, capitalism is everywhere. And when we're talking about welfare, like if someone needs to go to the welfare office, they need to, which is you, Chicago, they have to get on a train, which is money. So let's say it's $5 round trip. If you're driving, it's parking, and that's maybe $20 total. You might use a zip car, which is a you know pay for the day or pay by the miles, rent a car situation. So there's that. Then you might get food along the way, whether it be for groceries or just to have some sustenance in your system. And... You know, if you're working, you need to take some time off to go there. Even it's a part-time job, you know, you got to take some time off of work to probably go there because you don't know how long you're going to be in the office. You know, everything that you add up is capitalism. Capitalism actually drives our society. The very thing that really gets to us. You know, it really hurts our pocketbooks. It really hurts us as a society. 
Democratic socialists believe that the economy contradicts inherent to capitalism can only be solved by transitioning from capitalism to socialism by superseding private property with some form of social ownership to it. Um, this is to address any economic contradictions of socialism through reforms, only being likely to generate more problems elsewhere in the capitalist economy. Um, so, I mean, that's pretty much the nuts and bolts of it. And when we look at countries around the world, you know, there's a lot of them out there that people, they're socialists. Um, and when you look at like Sweden and stuff like that, and they're really not. You even look at um, Cuba, China, they're not really socialists either. Um, if you had to choose between the two, between Cuba and China, I would argue Cuba's a little bit more um, socialist than China. But that's for another episode. So we really don't have a true socialist nor communist um, form of government anywhere in the world, really. So when we when you see people rallying for Bernie Sanders, and he says, you know, he's a socialist, and you're seeing Democratic Socialists of America people out there, you know, Socialists for Sanders, and you start seeing it with other organizations. Socialist organizations, for that matter. Um, it, it's really interesting to see because um, I like Bernie Sanders. I really do as an independent senator of Vermont. But he's not a socialist. You know, He may define democratic socialism in his way, but in reality, he knows it's not democratic socialism because he's a very intelligent person that knows that. You know... But I feel that someone in his campaign, or he's just had this notion in his idea in his head that you know social democracy and democratic socialism is one and the same, you know, and it's really not. It, it, I use this for another episode with um, Nick on out front, but I've also said it in the public. It's really, if you think of it like this, democratic socialism and social democracy, when you talk about the two, you're really talking about a lion and a tiger. You know, they're two distinct, different big cats. You know, when you say lion, you know what it is. When you're saying tiger, you know what it is. It's not like a mountain lion... Where in one part of the United States it's considered a mountain lion, another part of the United States it's, it's, it's a cougar, another part of the United States it's a puma, it's also called a panther. You know, it's not synonymous, you know, it's not that. Social democracy and democratic socialism is not synonymous with each other. You know, it's a lion and a tiger, you know, and you can pick and choose which one's a lion, which one's a tiger. Um, that's what we're talking about. And it's really frustrating as someone like myself who identifies as a democratic socialist that when you're hearing people out there as like, this is what socialism is, and it's not that. 
at all. It's really frustrating. I can't begin to tell you how frustrating it is only because when I've gone to rallies or burning meetups um, just to get a, a feel for the crowd and what they are talking about and trying to see how they're talking about socialism. Because the one thing Sanders did do well in the campaign is actually talking about socialism. And it's really interesting to see the people that come out and hearing about what they think socialism is and actually seeing other socialists in this crowd. Um, Because we have to understand the other thing is that Bernie Sanders' campaign is a big tent campaign. In other words, the idea of the Sanders campaign is that you're going to have independents come in, you're having progressive Democrats come in with this thing of democratic socialism that he talks about. You're going to have socialists come in, possibly old guard communists, and it's this big tent mentality. And there's a lot of people on the left, progressive left, that thinks having a big tent like that really helps a campaign like Sanders, where I'm of the opinion it is not because you have a too big of a tent, then instead of seeing a three-ring circus for entertainment, you're actually seeing more sideshows, really. And we also have to understand this. Not once during Sanders' tenure as a senator, U.S. senator, as well as a representative of Vermont, he has never talked about socialism up to this point and we have to look at the party he is associated with in Vermont which is the Vermont Progressive Party which came out of the Liberty Union Party which he was a part of and that kind of call it a merger call it a a transformation whatever you want to call it Um, Liberty Union Party got into the Vermont Progressive Party. And they're the ones who control the state of Vermont, as small as it is. They have control, obviously, in the U.S. Senate with Sanders. They have control of the state legislature and the municipalities of Vermont. Um, That's their hallmark, you know. And I remember meeting someone from the Vermont Progressive Party in Chicago. We were talking a little bit about that, and... They're the majority, you know, and there's Democrats and Republicans in Vermont also, but they know that the Vermont Progressive Party is a force to be reckoned with. And if you look at the Vermont Progressive Party platform, it's the very thing that Sanders talks about. But Sanders, again, is masking it by calling it socialism. And it's not socialism. It's not democratic socialism, I should say. It's social democracy. If we can go back for a moment, um, what I was saying earlier, this this definition of social democracy. As I said, the aims of social democracy is to facilitate freedom, flexibility, and market dynamism. It's great to have economic freedom. And it's great to have flexibility because at this point, capitalism is very rigid, you know, because there's certain 
definitions that economists and those in the private sector has um, constructed of saying this is how things work. So, I mean, there's a little bit of left libertarianism when it comes to social democracy, but not enough flexibility, you know, because you're still using capitalism as that platform, if not that vehicle, to drive the certain things that you want to see. Um, There was a, a book a few years back, and it was a book that I really enjoyed until I started to realize it was more of neoliberal policies. It was a guy by the name of Richard Florida. He was a professor at the um, Rothman uh, School of Business at the University of Toronto, and I believe he taught in um, New York, if not Pennsylvania as well. But he wrote a book uh, essentially called um, The Creative Class, and there was a, a couple of books, The Flight of the Creative Class and The Rise of the Creative Class. And essentially what the Creative Class series was about was essentially there's a segment of the United States that is the creative types. It's more of not just artists, the, the printmakers, art galleries, Museums and all that. I mean, there's an actual creative class, and that has since then transformed into the service economy. Uber, Airbnb, um, I would even say like Peapod or whatever your um, regional service where you go online, order your groceries, and it gets delivered to you. Um, in Illinois, at least in Chicago, it's Peapod. Um, Grubhub, and any services like that. I mean, there's another one, I think it's called Ship It, where you essentially take a picture of your package and someone will come and get it for you and they'll deliver it for you. You know, that has transformed, if not if not evolved, from the creative class movement that Richard Florida was advocating for. Um, again, these are like neoliberal policies. You know, it's, it's privatization of you know how we do things these days, and it's an open, free market. And in having such an open and free market is really it, it just hurts an economy. Show me a country. Show me. A, a municipality, show me an area that free market capitalism actually has worked. And I don't think you're going to show me any. It may have worked, you know, from the start, but if over time it has done nothing but really hinder um, society. We have to understand that capitalism in society go hand in hand. They're not two separate entities at all, and especially the environment. Capitalism, society, and the environment, those are the three things, a trinity, if you will, of how we function in society. Whatever we do when it comes to 
welfare, when it comes to unemployment, whenever it comes to wages and benefits affects society and then in turn also affects the environment. Here's a good example. I live in a town, I live in an area that there's a couple of towns that are about 15,000 in population. It's big for a rural area of Illinois. But because of major businesses leaving, because they chose to leave, they chose to go into bankruptcy, people in the area have to go to other places that are probably... You know, no less than maybe minutes away to, you know, maybe no more than an hour, hour and a half away to go to work. So under capitalism, you're going to talk about someone leaving, say, Dixon, and they have to work in the Quad Cities at a factory. So you're traveling about 45 minutes to almost an hour to Rock Island. You work there, and now you have to drive back. So it's really two, two and a half hours a round trip. Within that time, you have increased your carbon footprint by driving, um, with the understanding that you you commute probably five, if not six, days a week. And possibly use your car to drive out from work to go get lunch, dinner, breakfast, whatever your shift is. Um, So you're increasing your carbon footprint. You're actually doing more harm. And, you know, there might be a family dynamic in play where one person's going to work and they're not home in time for, let's say, they have kids and... You know, they're tired and they have to do stuff and they're not there for various things, whether it be a school activity or having special time with their significant other. You know, so what I'm really unfolding here that it does play out. You know, it is that wedge. Our fiscal policies, social society, excuse me, and the environment has to be in play and show me how social democracy is going to help with that because I don't think it will. You know, yeah, I mean, you look at places like Finland where um, there's like free education. Um, the healthcare is great. People in Denmark are getting a living wage for that area and they're making more money than they are here in the United States and everything. It's very attractive, don't get me wrong. I mean, do I want to have a free education or be in debt? You know, obviously I want the free education, right? But free education does come with a price. You know, if we're going through taxes, then are we going to increase taxes? If so, how are we going to increase those taxes? Where's those taxes coming from? You know, social democracy does not help with that, whereas democratic socialism... You know, we're actually talking about taking away the market-driven economy of capitalism. We're not using the state government of being that vehicle. Rather, we're going to use government as a little bit of a platform in order to redistribute 
wealth. We're going to redistribute money that goes into certain areas. That's what we're going to do. You know, and those who advocate for social democracy, they're going to say, well, we're going to redistribute wealth as well. But yeah, but where's that going to go? And I bet you nine times out of ten that those funds will go to the elected officials. They're going to go to certain institutions and stuff like that. Whereas democratic socialism is, you know, we're going to look at this institution with a very, very critical eye. And we're going to look at elected officials with a very, very critical eye. And there's people like myself who advocate, you know, maybe we don't need elected officials. Maybe we just need just to have um, citizens participating through participatory budgeting and other means. That's for another episode. Um, But what I would express is we need to have a continuing conversation of what social democracy is and what democratic socialism is. We cannot look at the two as the same thing. It's not a mountain lion, a cougar, a panther, a puma. It's not. It's a lion and a tiger. You know, those are two distinct things. Two distinct characteristics. That's what we have to understand. You know, it's not one the same. And when you're at a Bernie Sanders campaign in, or a rally or you're seeing him in your town that he's speaking at or you're following him, really pay attention what he is saying, what his spokespeople are saying. We have to be media literal in order to understand what's going on. You have to look past the shininess of the message that is being on the TV, on the radio, in text. We have to look past that. Yes, all these things sound great, you know, a free education, having free health care, having, you know, a an increase in Social Security, uh, decreasing the military. All those things sound great. Those are great sound bites. Those are great things to polish on a product that is the Sanders campaign and saying, look, this is what Sanders will do when he's president. And we have to understand president because it still takes a legislature to take on policies. The president only executes certain things. And even through executive order, he's very limited on what that person can do. We don't need to have someone go in and get rid of the crony capitalism. And don't get me wrong, we need to get rid of the cronyism out of capitalism. Take that out and replace it with egalitarian capitalism. Because if we do that, you're just, like I said, reinforcing what capitalism is. We need to transform capitalism. We need to have democratic socialists from 
those who are in Socialist Party USA and others like them. And yes, I mean, I'm a little biased. I'm with Socialist Party USA and everything. But those people before I joined them, you know, I knew they were democratic socialists. They walk the walk. They talk the talk. You know, they're activists. They're organizers. They're not those, if, if I may a little bit, they're not those with Democratic Socialists of America where they advocate for Democratic candidates. And they do that. Look at their record. Look what their stances are versus Socialist Party USA. Check it out. Um, so, social democracy versus democratic socialism. I hope that um, provides some sort of context to what the two are. Um, and hopefully in other episodes we're going to talk about this, other topics. Um, hopefully you are subscribing to Firebrand as well as to Outfront that Nick and I do here at the Chicago Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to this episode and hopefully you listen to future episodes of Firebrand. My name's AJ. And let's build a future worthy of our dreams.